0: While they're headed out, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John once again. We have almost made it through chapter 1. We've been in it for a while, and I, I uh, uh, have to say that even as I go through this last portion, as we go through this last portion of, of chapter 1, I feel a little bit like I have... Uh, Attention deficit disorder in my outline, so I apologize for that right now. Uh, there's so much more that can be brought out. There's so much more that can be understood in the, uh, the illustrations of coming to Christ and, and, and seeking uh, those around you to follow Christ. And so I pray that you will just use this as a springboard into your own searching of Scripture. And that if you understand the truths that we speak about this morning, that it would cause you to seek them out in a deeper and fuller way in your own personal study. I do want to kind of bring you up to speed with where we're at in the Gospel of John. We, uh, John the Baptist is not the one who wrote John. The John beloved disciple wrote John, but it's speaking here in chapter 1 of John the Baptist and his ministry as we're coming to the end of the chapter. And his ministry was seen in preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And in fact, his ministry was seen that as Jesus Christ is coming onto the scene, that he would be going off the scene. And in fact, that's exactly what happens in the book. We see him really only one more time. And in that in that time in Scripture, he says, listen, I must decrease and he must increase. And so our our, our, our time last week, we spent a little bit of time looking at how great of a teacher John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was a great teacher, and we had a few points, and I want to remind you of those points that we made last week. Uh, The qualities of a good teacher are seen that a good teacher's students recognize the truth. When John was with his disciples and Jesus walked by, John said, behold the Lamb of God, and it was understood that his disciples would follow after that which was greater. And so his disciples followed Jesus Christ, Because he had trained them that there is one coming that is greater than me. In fact, I'm not worthy to untie his shoe. In fact, that is the Messiah. There is the Lamb of God. And in understanding the way John was teaching, his disciples knew that they were to follow Christ. A good teacher not uh, only—his students don't only recognize truth, but a good teacher prioritizes truth over loyalty. No one wants to lose followers. No one wants to lose disciples And yet John the Baptist said, no, you need to leave me and follow him. Now, he doesn't say that in the passage. But it's understood that that John was not harboring to himself a loyal following. He was trying to take their loyalty and tie it to the truth of who Jesus Christ was and make that their loyalty. Many teachers today teach so that they would have loyalty of their students. And we need to go beyond that and teach loyalty to jesus christ a good teacher pushes his students to go on to something greater go on and and parents your teachers and i hope you're teaching your children to go beyond you in their relationship with christ to know christ A good teacher wants the best for his students and not himself and this is what we see in john the baptist and in jesus called him the greatest man and and he is great because of his humility and so then we saw that that Jesus, these, these men followed Jesus and they come to Jesus, and Jesus asked them a very probing question. He says, What are you seeking? What are you seeking? And they said, Well, we'd like to know where you're staying. And really, that was a that was a they would like to know who Jesus was. They wanted to, to, to investigate the claims of John the Baptist. So Jesus asked the question, What are you seeking? And then he said, Come and see come and see. And, and we, we left off really with, with our time last week saying this to you. Is there anything in your life that you are seeking that cannot be answered by Christ's invitation to come and see? come and know me. What is it in life that you are seeking? And I would tell you this, if you were to take those greatest desires in your life and boil them down to the basics, what really, where is this coming from? The, the truth of it is the only one who can answer those questions, the only one who can satisfy those desires is Jesus. What is it that you want? 2018. What do you want out of 2018? Peace, comfort, success, when you boil those things down to their deepest desires, really the only one you can answer is Jesus Christ. And really, we went through passages in the last week that said, is the invitation of Jesus to the, these disciples to come and see, is that same invitation for us? We went through passage after passage where Jesus says, come, learn of me, knock, and the door will be open. Seek, and ye shall find. My question is this, did you, when you left the service last week, did you, did you seek out Jesus Christ? Did you look for him? Did you find him? Did you go to his word? Did you pray? Did you look for him in the circumstances of life? And when those circumstances started happening, were you able to recognize the hand of God working in your life? Jesus says, what are you seeking? And then he says, come and see. And then there's another statement that Jesus makes today that we will investigate, and that is, The invitation to follow him. Follow him. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn to John 1, we'll look at verse 35. is where we'll we'll start our reading this morning. John 1, 35. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to be interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, what we believe would be four o'clock in the afternoon. So this is, Jesus invites them to see where he's staying, and we don't know what happens next, but, but what we see after that, the next day, these two men who went and spent time with Christ are changed. And in fact, they they're, they're, they're so excited about what Christ talked to them about, what he, what he opened up their understanding to, that they have to share it with somebody. They have to go out and find somebody. So follow along. They dwell with him. And in verse forty it says, uh, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He that is Andrew, first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, or Peter, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, The city of Andrew and Peter, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We'll leave off our reading there for this morning. And I hope that as we look into this passage, we would understand a few things. In fact, I want to answer some some questions uh, from this passage that this passage would well, this this passage would answer these questions that our outline will be questions that this passage answers. The first question is what does it mean to follow Christ? You've heard in our singing and in our teaching and and, and, and in your time here at Calvary, the the call to follow Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean? He's not on earth today, in a sense, and how do I follow him? He's not walking by and nobody's pointing him out, and he's not saying, come and stay with me. How do we follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Christ? We're going to ask ourselves the question, what does it mean for us today today? To follow Christ? And is there any difference to what Jesus called those men to do that day? Well, to follow Christ, we need to understand what it means to be a disciple. What it means to be a disciple. When I say the word disciple, what comes to your mind? Well, I know what comes to my mind. It's, well, there were these 12 guys that walked around behind Jesus, and everywhere he went, they were his disciples. But really in the word disciple, we get the understanding that this is a follower learner. It's a combination of these words, follower learner. So a disciple is somebody who follows and learns what the teacher would teach. There are a lot of disciples out there today. There were a lot of disciples in this day. This was not a foreign concept. In fact, many of the great teachers would have a group that would follow them and they would actually indenture themselves to their teacher, and they would serve that teacher and learn from that teacher because they wanted to follow his teaching. The concept of discipleship was not new to them. Many of the rabbis uh, had this. But the definition is a a follower learner, and and there's a lot encapsulated in this idea. Uh, You can't be the disciple of two men at the same time, in a sense. You can't be a disciple of two ideas at the same time. It's not like social media, right? Following somebody, this isn't the, get that out of your mind just for the younger crowd. Following Jesus is not liking him on Facebook or following him on Instagram, okay? But I'd say what, there's a lot of Christians who have the idea that following Jesus is like social media, where, hey, I, you know, I check in with him every once in a while, and I see what's going on in his word and his life, what he did, and then I'm on my own way. Following Jesus carries with it a much deeper commitment. In fact, here we'll see that it was a wholehearted commitment to leave all else behind and identify themselves with this master teacher. In fact, you followed with the intent of becoming like that person. You carried out the desires and the will of your master teacher. You served him. You went where he went, you stayed where he stayed, you ate what he ate, you listened to what he spoke, and you did what he asked. And these are the disciples, the follower-learners of Jesus Christ. What is the cost, then, of discipleship? What was the cost for these men? What is the cost if you are going to be a true follower-learner of Jesus Christ? Not just a fan, not just uh, an online follower, but a true follower of Jesus Christ. What is the cost of it? And we'll see throughout the Gospels over and over again. In fact, Pastor Bosworth read for us out of Luke the cost of following Jesus Christ. And I want, to, I want us to look at another passage from Luke. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And in Luke, we see two different areas, two different points in that passage where Jesus speaks some very difficult words to those who would follow Jesus Christ. following Christ wasn't just a casual thing where some days they fished and and some days they followed Christ or six days they fished and on Sunday they went with Jesus on his adventures. That is not what it meant to be a disciple. Luke 9.22, Jesus is speaking and he says this, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said unto them all if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whatsoever for whosoever will save his life shall lose it but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it if we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ that we are called to take up a cross daily think of it in their minds When Jesus were to say these words, how offensive this thought was. The cross was a a symbol of Roman torture and they hated the Romans and they hated it when the Romans tortured their people. And Jesus says to them, if you're going to follow me, you must say no to yourself so much to the point that would be like bearing a cross. And I am going to be despised and I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to be killed. And if you're going to follow me, that will follow with you. It was a total commitment, what Jesus was saying. In fact, he goes on and he says, if you would seek to save your life from those things, if you would seek to save your life from rejection, from the cost of discipleship, you will lose your life. But if you will give your life to me, if you will seek the gospel, if you will follow me, you will actually find life eternal. He goes on, look at verse 25. For what, is it, for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his Father's. And of the holy angels. Simply put, then discipleship in this is is death to self, death to my desires, death to my ambition, death to what I think makes life work for me. And it's a picking up of Jesus Christ and his plans and his desires and his goals and his purposes. Your gain no longer is what benefits your daily needs, but actually your gain is simply the approval of your master its difficulty then was seen in the, the obstacles that, that had to be overcome follow down in that passage to luke 9 verse 57 luke 9 we have the 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 story of the young the rich young ruler who came to jesus and it, you know it seems like a nice guy and a and a good guy and a, a wealthy guy and and uh, this is just the kind of person we need with us, Jesus. Everybody needs one of those guys with us. And so, hey, uh, this, this man comes, and I, I can just imagine how excited the disciples were. I'm there, small band following Jesus. You know, the, the popular mindset was against Jesus from the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And so here comes this successful guy to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, I just wonder if the disciples were excited. Hey, maybe this guy is going to come and follow And Jesus said some hard words to him and said, well, um, keep the law. Wait a second. Keeping the law won't get you into heaven. Why is he saying that? And Jesus looks at the young ruler and says, keep the law. And the the young ruler says, well, I've done that. And Jesus says, well, great. Uh, Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And it says that young man went away greatly disheartened, greatly discouraged because he had much Jesus looks at the rich young ruler and says, follow me. But the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus Christ was too great for the rich young ruler. And so that's where we pick up our reading at verse 57. It says, it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee. Excuse me. This is, this is later. This is a different illustration here. I'm in the wrong passage. I apologize. Take everything I said about the young and Euler and wait a second. We're coming to that. I told you I had ADD in my, in my outline. All right, so verse 57. It came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Will foxes have holes? Birds of the air have nests? But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus is saying, look, to follow me, there's difficulty. You've got to overcome this, this difficulty. You've got to be able to put aside the comforts of life if you're going to follow me. The next, verse 59, another said, uh, he, Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus has some harsh words. He says, well, uh, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Wait a second doesn't jesus teach honoring father and mother yes but what we see here is that there's there are open-ended commitments that jesus says you can't wait for that you must follow me now surely this man's father was not dead but was dying and who knows how long this man would be dying and jesus said look that he's going to pass away like everybody will Don't waste your opportunity on earthly things, on that which don't delay. Come and follow me now. Man, that's a difficult thing, isn't it? I see many people coming out of college and and wanting to follow God, but well, first of all, I want to make sure that I I lay a good foundation for my family. I need to make sure that that I've put aside some money and that and that uh, you know I've maybe had my kids and 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 you know, life comes really fast. In fact, my youngest brother was talking to me this week. He's excited about the prospect of marriage, and he's saying, well, you know, right now I've got this secular job, and I'm doing part-time at a church, and maybe I just need to get married and get established, and then, you know, then, then I'll be ready for ministry. I said, oh, please don't do that. I said, life comes so fast. <laughs> I said, let me just give you an illustration. I went to school, and I, then I got married, and I, and I was going to finish my degree, and, uh, man, I find myself eight children later saying, well, am I ever going to get back to that? I went on to seminary, and I started into a big degree program, and I got 36 credits into it, and I've got 60-something more to go, and, and life just seems to run you over, doesn't it? And if, if I said, Ben, if you wait, if you say, well, let, let's... Let's make sure we you know, live together and understand each other before we go into ministry together. I said, don't do that. There's no better way to find out what someone's like than going to ministry together. Don't wait. Don't have open-ended commitments that eh. follow Christ. And let me ask you, I don't know where you are in your life and your commitment to following Christ, but if you're waiting for something else to be laid down or you're waiting to get to a certain point before you follow Christ, don't you realize that you are forfeiting life? The man who saves himself, he'll find that by the time he feels that he's finally saved himself, he'll be dead, right? What did the the rich man say when he had enough? He said, well, actually, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to have bigger barns. And Jesus said, you're a fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. And then whose will all these things be? Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Don't tie yourself down to things that open open and don't delay. Follow me. Look what he says to the next in verse 61. Another said, Lord, I'll follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man. By the way, when you plow, my understand. I've never plowed before, uh, but when you plow, if you plow looking behind you, your line won't be straight, right? We used to have a lawn business, and and we would actually pick with the first line you cut across a lawn. You want it to be nice and straight, because then you can get straight all the way across and make sure it looks really good, and, and when you did that, you would pick something across the yard, and you would try to run it over, you know, like a, something on the fence or a sprinkler head, and I ran over enough of those, and uh, but you'd pick something on the other, and you wouldn't take your eyes off it. You wouldn't look at the grass. You wouldn't look behind you. You'd look straight at it, and you would go right at it. And you know, it'd be amazing that if you just focused on that one point, you'd get there, and your line would be straight. But the man who wants to seek after Christ, but has divided his heart between earthly things and Christ, it says he's not, fit, he, he's not worthy to follow. And Jesus here is, is teaching that a disciple cannot have a divided loyalty he can't have a divided heart jesus says he'd either be all in or not and so when jesus speaks to us in these passages and says follow me he is actually asking you to be totally committed to him in every aspect of your life well, does that mean i have to quit my job and sell my house and and Not necessarily, maybe, if that's what God's calling you to do, but you know what Jesus is saying is to identify with him and not let your house have your heart or your car or your job or even your spouse. God says, follow me completely and and see if I won't just give you and satisfy the needs that you think you have. You see, when these what does it mean to follow Christ? What did it mean for these disciples to come and see Christ and be so convinced with who Christ claimed to be that they would walk away from everything? That is what Christ is teaching us. He is to us. He is our Messiah. He is our deliverer. He is our Redeemer. He is our King. And we need to follow him and give him our heart. That doesn't mean you quit your job, but I tell you, when you go to your work, you're actually going there to be a disciple of Christ. It doesn't mean that you throw away your bank account, but it says that when you spend your money and the purpose for which you save your money needs to be eternal, not temporal. It means when you parent your children, you're not parenting to protect them. You're parenting them so that they will go and follow Christ. When you teach, teachers, what are you teaching? And why are you teaching that subject? A disciple teaches to follow Christ. Are you a disciple? They left everything. In fact, now bring your minds back to that rich young ruler conversation we had earlier. And in Mark chapter 10, if you'll go there, Mark chapter 10 is the passage we're looking at. For this, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. Peter. Peter says something very interesting. Here, the rich young ruler walks away, and the disciples, it says in verse 24, were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who can be saved? This guy was a good guy. He was moral. Who can be saved? And Jesus said unto them, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then look what Peter says. Peter began to say unto him, Lord, lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily or truly I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You see what Jesus is teaching Jesus is teaching that if I will fully identify myself with him and his purposes and his word and his will for my life, it may require that I move away from family. It may require that I separate myself from people around me that would drag me away. It may require me to do certain things that are hard, but Jesus says, look, if you will trust me, you will not be ashamed. If you will trust me and follow me, you will receive actually your heart's desires. And that doesn't mean a pool and a nice car, but it means that your heart will be filled. Think about it. If a person to follow Christ gets rejected from their family, what does Jesus have waiting for them in the church? A family. A family that goes much Deeper than blood. In fact, Jesus says, if you will trust and follow me, you will you'll save your life. You'll gain life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added unto you. I'll take care of all those things. You will not be ashamed if you follow Christ. the 12 followed Jesus Christ these disciples committed themselves fully to following Christ should be the defining aspect of the Christian church that we have forsaken what drives the world and have actually found that drive in Jesus Christ and following him when the church pursues the same thing that the world pursues we have we don't have a teacher that they need to follow You see, our, our culture, though, preaches this dichotomy in life that you have your secular life, your cultural life, your public life, and you, you there's certain things that you need to do, and, and, and you need to be a productive citizen here, and you have your private life, your religious life, your, your personal life, your spiritual life, and it's okay. You can do whatever you want in your spiritual life just so long as it doesn't cross over and touch the public. It's okay for you to follow Christ in your private life but but don't make us uncomfortable at work right jesus knows nothing of that dichotomy too many christians have bought into that and through political correctness seek not to evangelize because it's offensive what did jesus just say he says oh it's very offensive you're actually calling people to leave everything they love and follow christ A true disciple of Christ follows Christ in His teaching at home, at work, at school, at the gym, in the privacy of the car, in the public arena. You follow Christ fully. Follow a learner, a disciple, following the Master regardless of where. So what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to follow Christ? But look at the net look at the response of somebody who actually believes this. Somebody who buys into it. Somebody says, "Yes, I will follow." Andrew is such an amazing example here. Look, look what Andrew does. Andrew is kind of the poster boy for for well, go get your friends and neighbors if you believe this stuff, right? Look at verse look at verse 40. Andrew was one of those that Jesus took and and, and sat with and and I don't know the conversation or what happened there, but Andrew walks out so convinced that he runs and grabs his brother. It was Andrew. He finds Peter, Simon Peter. And he runs and he says, Hey, we <laughs> we found him! You know, all those things that we've talked about and those promises that we're looking for and man, with the Romans here, the things that we desire most for Israel, the, the, the Messiah, we found him. Come, come, and, come and check him out. You know, that's actually the natural response of those who wholeheartedly follow Christ. They find him. If you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And when you find Christ, the natural response is to tell other people, what did the shepherds do the night they found Jesus in the manger? They spread abroad the tidings. Hey, he's here. Andrew does the same thing. Andrew and John have the opportunity to sit with Christ, and they're so convinced. Let me ask you this. Are you so convinced that Jesus is God, that he is the king, that he is Everything that he claimed to be, are you so convinced that when you see other people not knowing that, it burdens your heart for them and you need to come and see what he can do? Are you gripped with that? Oftentimes we, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to receive it. Man, he, these, these disciples went out and proclaimed Jesus. He goes and finds his brother, a loved one, one that would understand his sincerity, one that would understand how serious he was. And he tells his brother that he's met the Messiah, but doesn't stop there. He goes and shows him, how can we do this? How can we go and find our brothers? Well, in a very real way, if you have family that doesn't know Christ, you have a responsibility to show them Christ. And maybe they won't believe but I tell you what, if they know that you love them and they know that you love Christ, they will see the connection. If you are passionate about your family, where should you be leading them? If you love your family, who are you pointing them to? It's amazing. Andrew is, is only mentioned one other time and he's, he's bringing another person to Jesus. He brings the boy with the fish and the loaves, right? He brings them to Jesus. We don't know much about Andrew, but you know who we know a lot about? Peter. And I find encouragement in this, especially working here at Calvary Christian School. We don't know what God will do with others. But we do know that if we bring them to Christ, their fullest potential lies in that. There have been 10 years of graduates, and I've only been able to keep in contact with a few. Some that I look at, and I just, it can be discouraging. Some I'm encouraged about, but I tell you what. Pointing them to Christ, showing them a Savior, leading them to Jesus, knowing that in God's will and with God's power, he can use any one of them to change the world. We, We... Ashley sang a song, Lord, help me see this world as though I was looking through your eyes. Let me, do, you, do you look at your children even that way? You know, I've, I've talked to my kids about what they want to be when they grow up. You know, this, this fights against a father's pride. Because I've got some kids who I think if they really work hard, they could become a what? You fill in the blank. But I tell you what, that's not success. That's not love. Man, I just want my kids, if you will place your, your life in Jesus' hands, there is no end to the possibilities of what God will do with you. And, and so Peter comes to Christ, right? Peter comes to Christ. His name is Simon. And Jesus looks at Simon and says to him, You are Peter. You know it's interesting here? that Jesus would give Simon that name immediately. Because what is Simon Peter like? Simon Peter is like, well, whatever direction I'm headed in, let's run off the cliff. You know, He's always one way or the other. I mean, he's the guy that's chopping off the servant's ear. He's the guy that's jumping in the water. He's the guy that's discouraging Jesus from going to the cross. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. This is Peter, right? but you know what Peter also was? Peter also was the chosen of God to open up the gospel to the Gentiles. Oh, from my understanding, that's most of you, right? This was going to be the rock, Peter the rock, and, and with, the, with the truth of his word that he gave through Peter, he would build up the church that's still in existence today. And when Jesus looked at Peter, he knew exactly that Peter would cut off a guy's ear and jump into the water and sink, and that he would deny him three times. And he looked at him and he says, I will make something great out of you. Oh, I love that. You know, Jesus knew that when he called me. And I'm not anywhere claiming to be Peter. But I tell you what, Jesus saw past Mark Rowland's failures and inconsistencies and pride and struggles and anger he saw past those things and says i can do something with him Man, i i want to see that for the kids that i teach here i want to see that in my own children but i also want to recognize that in god's hands there is no nothing that can hold anything back god can do amazing things Andrew just brings his brother out of obedience, out of of a love for his brother, he brings him to Christ. Christ, in loving eyes, looks at Simon and says, you know what? I'm going to do something amazing with you. Maybe the person you bring to Christ would be somebody that God would change the world with. Maybe God will change the world through you, right? What does it mean to come to Christ? Who does Christ call to follow him? Who does Christ call to follow him? It's very interesting. The next, Jesus goes on from Peter and and there's Philip and says, Philip, follow me. You know what Philip does? Philip goes and finds somebody. You know who Philip finds? He finds a religious man. He finds a guy that he knows is seeking after God. It's interesting that these disciples... Go out, and like a torch lighting another, as one commentator wrote, they just they find each other and they pass on the light of God, and they follow Christ. I'll tell you who Jesus didn't choose to follow him. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't set up an audition. He didn't choose one religious leader. He chose some no-name people, some fishermen. Jesus calls us, but he doesn't call us based on our ability. There, on Facebook, I get this update. There's a movie coming out about Samson, right? I, I, this is speculation, so it's not the Bible. But I'm just—I wonder. I don't know if Samson is in heaven either. So I, if I ever get a chance to see Samson in his body, I'm wondering if it's not going to be terribly disappointing, Right? I mean, Samson, whenever you see Samson played, what does he look like? Yeah, a lot like me. No, right. Uh, What does he look like? He looks like this massive hunk of a man. But you know what? When the Philistines were talking to Delilah, they said, find the source of his strength. Apparently, it wasn't very obvious that he was this mountain of a man. I wonder if this guy was scrawny or overweight. It made me feel better, right? (laughs) You know, why is it? It's because when the Holy Spirit came on Samson, Samson did mighty things. When Peter accomplished things for God, it was because he was following Christ and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, obeying God. Paul, I wonder if Paul isn't going to be terribly disappointing to me because he's just a regular Joe who was available to God. You see, that, I, I, somebody has said the greatest ability is availability. Oh, how... How true that is. It doesn't matter what talent you have. It doesn't matter what gifts you have. It doesn't matter if you can sway people in your, uh, uh, your, your, uh, your desire to convince them. Obviously, I can't do it. I can't even speak. Your, your, your logic, it doesn't matter what you have. What it matters is if you follow Christ and, and entrust yourself to him and see if he won't work something great. Because if anything is going to bring glory to God, it's going to be something that he did through you." I love looking, and that's why I said I'm sorry I'm, I'm all over the place here, because I look at this passage and just keep seeing more and more opportunity to praise God for who He is and how He can use us. I want to be a follower of this Christ, and I want Him to use me, and I want Him to use me to find some people. And I have a brother here named Andrew today, his middle name is Andrew, and he's following Christ but it wasn't because of me. All right. <clears throat> Take your Bibles and, and i w look at my okay. Take your Bibles and look and look at First Corinthians. We read the first part of this, but I wanna I want to answer the question who does Jesus call? Who does Jesus call? First Corinthians chapter one, we just read that the preaching of it was in your bulletin, the preaching of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, the Greeks. Right? They want logic, they want to be convinced, the Jews, they want a sign. Who does Jesus call? Who is Jesus still calling to follow him? 1 Corinthians one we we'll pick up right where we left off. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Let's just stop right there and consider what happens when Jesus goes back to heaven and gives the Holy Spirit to the disciples, these run-of-the-mill fishermen. What happens? Oh, man, the world is changed and turned upside down. They go out and they boldly proclaim... The one that had just denied Christ not too many months ahead of that goes out and boldly proclaims Jesus Christ, and 3,000 souls are saved, and 5,000 souls are saved at another time. And, and, and the church is established, and, and amazing things are happening through the working of God in these people's lives. Look what it says here. God has not chosen the strong things. He's chosen the weak things to confound the things that are mighty. Those people who thought they were in control, man, they were shaking in their boots. That high priest, I wonder what was in his mind when he saw these disciples boldly proclaiming a risen Savior. Verse 28, The base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, Who are of God who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. Let me tell you, who does God call to follow him? He calls run of the mill people like us. He calls people that struggle with sin. He calls people that struggle with logic. He calls people who struggle with keeping together their relationships. He calls normal, struggling, weak people. And he gives to them his power and he changes lives for eternity. You see, Jesus, I truly believe, still is calling people to follow him. And we understand that that call comes with great cost. But we're not following just some idea. We're following the creator of all things. We are following the one who can change us and do great things. We're, we're called in, to follow the one who has promised to do the good work, a transforming work. In fact, a work that would change you to be a trophy of wisdom and righteousness and Christ-likeness. Let me ask you, when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as a trophy of wisdom and righteousness and Christ-likeness? That is what following Christ will do. He will transform us into his own image. Last, I know we're going long, but last, I just want to look at this. Who finds Christ? Well, he calls people to find him, but or to follow him. But who finds Christ? And I, I, I want to bring this out in, in the understanding of Nathaniel here, the the last person in this passage. Jesus calls Philip in verse, uh, forty six. Excuse me, verse um, forty five. Philip goes out. Forty four is is talking about Philip. Forty five is talking about Philip. He goes and he finds Nathaniel, and he says to him, "We have found." him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, And it's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael was from Cana, a small village not far from Nazareth. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? I think I might even know this carpenter's son. What? And what does Philip say? Philip says, come and see... And Jesus saw Nathanael coming, and and said unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit or no guile. Jesus sees Nathanael, and he says, Here is a man who is seeking after God. And by the way, when Philip went and found him, I think Philip went and found him because he knew, Hey, Nathanael's seeking. I bet this is the one Nathanael is seeking after. He says, Hey, Nathanael, the guy in the Law and the Prophets, he's here. He's here. It's Jesus. Can you believe it? Come see him. And Nathaniel, I believe, is a student of God's word. I think he loves God's word, and he comes, he comes and to see Jesus, to, to prove that this is the truth. He wanted to compare it with the scripture, maybe. Verse 47 Jesus saw Nathaniel and said, This is an Israelite, a true one. Remember, the Bible says that a true Jew is one who is circumcised in the heart, who has given himself to the Lord, right? I wonder if that's what is meant here by a true Israelite. Nathanael said unto him in verse 48, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now I've studied a few commentaries that talk about the idea that there's an illusion here that the fig tree was a picture of his home and a place of meditation and study. Now, I, I am not the scholar that could take you to that place, but they say that in writing, a fig tree is a picture of that. And I wonder if Jesus is saying here, Nathaniel, before Philip came and told you who I was, you were sitting there in your home looking for me. You have been searching for me in your place of meditation, in your place of prayer, in your place of study, you've been seeking, and I saw you there. Who find you know? I truly believe this: a man who is seeking after God with his whole heart will not miss Jesus Christ. Other religions who say they seek after God but don't have Jesus Christ want to make you feel that somehow you have the corner of the market. And what, a, what an arrogant thing to say that you have to go through Jesus Christ. But I tell you this, Judaism does not lead people to salvation. And here, Nathaniel was truly seeking after God, and God did not let Nathaniel miss Jesus Christ. And I just wonder, and I want to be careful, I don't want to go beyond the passage, but I just wonder... If Jesus were to talk to you today, would he say, I've seen you sitting at your dining room table. I've seen you seeking after me. I've seen you sitting on the couch there in the mornings, reading and studying. I've seen you sitting at your desk, taking your lunch break. I've seen you pursuing me because look what Nathaniel says. After Jesus says unto him, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathanael answers and said unto him, Teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You're the one. Jesus goes on and says, Nathanael, you're going to see amazing things. You're going to see that God is going to carry out His work through me if you follow me. I, just, I wonder if... The testimony of my salvation somehow reverts back to the fact that I saw my father every day, day—not maybe not every day, but almost every day, sitting at a coffee table, studying the Bible. And through that testimony and his commitment to the Lord, God saved his son. And he called me, my middle name is Nathaniel, and, and I want to be that man who's studying God's word and is looking for the Messiah, is looking for Christ and finding him in Scripture and recognizing him when I see him. And I'm not saying we work ourselves into some call by being religious. No, but I want to know Christ. I don't want to miss Christ. And I truly believe those who find Christ are those who seek after him. Are you seeking him? And if you're seeking him, are you finding a a, a savior that is worth more to you than your house, worth more to you than your comfort, worth more to you than your, your, your security in life? Are you finding the savior that is worthy of following? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower, learner? Take comfort. Jesus does know your heart. He knows your imperfections. He knows your struggles. Please don't grow weary in pointing people to Christ. Teachers at Calvary, teachers not at Calvary, don't grow weary in pointing people to Christ. Let God be the one who does the work. fact, let your pointing people to Christ be the indication of your true belief. Have you found Christ? Are you following him? Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would just take a moment to plead with you. If you don't understand what is being talked about, if you don't understand what it means to follow Christ, if you don't know what it means to have Jesus as your Savior, today is a day where Jesus calls and says that he has Paid for your sin, he has died on the cross to provide you salvation. Those who trust in Christ, those who who don't try to work their way to heaven through good works or being something, but simply put their trust in Jesus Christ, those find Christ as their Savior. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you don't, I would plead with you to to talk to the pastor or, or me after the service, and just simply say, I'd like to know more. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a disciple. Whether, I mean, you the Bible knows nothing about believers who don't follow. I would say that as we read through John 1, we would we would allow this to sink into our hearts and create in us a passion to wholeheartedly follow Christ. Are you doing that? Can you objectively identify things in your life that are keeping you from a wholehearted commitment? Are there things that have promised you life apart from Christ? You will be ashamed if you follow those things. Would you allow this passage, in the, or, and I pray that you'll go back and study it, would you allow this passage to encourage your heart to fully and wholeheartedly follow after Jesus Christ.